0: It's been a really strange offseason. Vis a vis dogs running onto the field. You made it. We're not saber That's all behind us now.
1: Yeah, I got in trouble,
0: but it was worth it. It, totally worth it. it was totally worth it. It was worth it. Totally worth it.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Flushing Transit Authority, a New York Mets podcast. And if I sound a little strange today, it's because this is going to be a strange episode.
0: I am joined, as always, by Jay Bushman. Jay, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing all right. I um, I just finished a uh, an overnight shift on the uh, the um, volunteer call in lines for Matt Harvey Despair Syndrome. Um, the the phone actually didn't ring. Uh, we were expecting Matt to call, and 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 it didn't ring. And and you know, I will say some people were surprised. Uh, at uh, some of the staff were surprised at that. I was not.
1: Well, you know, he's always had a very busy nightlife, so I'm sure he'll get around Cinco de to Mayo, stuff going on. Yes, but Jay, let's make it clear.
0: We did not come here to bury Matt Harvey. No. Or did we? You know, I mean, look, there are going to be plenty of people who are going to bury him uh, pretty much for the rest of time. Like, this is That's his right. story. Um, his story has reached at at least this part of the story. And it's, it's, I found myself thinking about, you know, for us, this is the end of act three of the Matt Mm -hmm. Harvey story for Matt Harvey. This could be the end of act two. It could be the end of act one. I kind of, uh, uh, made a snarky, uh, tweet the other day about how I look forward to, Uh, Matt Harvey pitching a no hitter for the Yankees in 2021 Um, just because it seems to be how that goes. Um, Yeah.
1: So I'm going to just set the scene because I know not everybody who listens to this follows the Mets as closely as we do, and not everybody listens to these immediately after we put them out. So in case um, you're wondering why in the world Jay and I are talking about Matt Harvey, um, more than we normally do, mm-hmm. it's because yesterday the Mets announced that they were designating Matt Harvey for assignment. And just in case you're not familiar with what that means, it basically means the short version is is they are cutting ties with Matt Harvey. Um I am one of the people who said that he was looking forward and was very positive about what Matt Harvey could do this season. I believe I predicted that the Mets' fortunes would rise and fall on the success of or failure of Matt Harvey. And um, two weeks into the season, I thought my um, prediction was wildly wrong, and the last two weeks have made me say maybe I wasn't so wrong. Maybe. But we'll get to that later. What it means for Matt Harvey is uh, he is no longer a Met. Um, They gave him an opportunity to accept a minor league assignment. Um, He declined this. So the Mets have seven days to either find someone willing to give them something for Matt Harvey or Matt Harvey becomes a free agent, at which point any team can pick him up for the league minimum with the Mets paying the rest of his 2018 salary. It's the Adrian, okay. it's the
0: Adrian Gonzalez Memorial Contract. And yes, it is. But we are now caught
1: up. That's where we stand with Matt Harvey. But of course, you know, that isn't the whole story. Um, I came here today with a list of things that I wanted to talk about, and I put this together <laughs> on Thursday uh-huh. because you know it was I was following the afternoon game on Thursday. And he came in and it was just, uh, you know, even though I have to say, Matt Harvey came into that game on Thursday, retired the first four batters he faced. And I felt pretty positive. Like, look, maybe he's adapting to this bullpen role, maybe. And then the wheels came off Mm -hmm. and I didn't know it at the end of the game, but that was the last time um, I was likely to see Matt Harvey in a Mets uniform.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Um, how did you – what were the circumstances uh, around how you learned that this had happened? Because for me, it was it was odd. And I, this has never happened to me before. Um, I learned about Matt Harvey being DFA'd through a podcast listing. I got into my car. Like I got out of a – I was in a meeting um, – And I got out and I looked at my phone as I was getting into the car and I'm like, Oh, I should, you know, put on a podcast while I'm in the car. And I pull up my podcast feed and there is an emergency, uh, daily Mets podcast. Like, and that's what it said. Uh, It said emergency podcast. And I was like, has there ever been such a thing as an emergency podcast? What the heck happened? and so what qualifies as a baseball emergency yeah, so i'm like setting my phone up on my you know the bluetooth and i'm pressing play and i'm like oh my god what what could this be what happened and 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 josh lewin comes on his podcast and with the, these very sort of hushed reverent tone like did somebody die like i mean do you remember do you remember Corey lytle Yes, I do. Corey Lytle, Corey Lytle pitched for the Mets for a while and was, was effective and then moved to the Yankees and was even more effective. And then Corey Lytle died in a plane crash, piloting yes. his own single, a single engine plane down the Hudson and crashed into a building. Like yes. as I'm pressing play on this, I'm like, that's all I could think about was like who died? Like what happened? Like emergency Absolutely. podcast. What could this be? I
1: absolutely thought would have thought the same thing. I learned about it through Twitter, like I learn about everything. But I didn't learn about it from an alert. I sort of pieced it together backwards by seeing somebody making a joke. I'm like, wait, this isn't the standard Matt Harvey has been ineffective joke. There's something going on here, and you know, a quick series of links led me to the news. And then, of course, you go to you know, it was just people talking about it. Um, you know, and I follow people who are pretty knowledgeable and aren't people to spread rumors. So I knew it was correct, but you know, I ended up going to you know to the official sources, going to the Mets beat writers for their you know their commentary and coverage, and um, it was a shock. Yeah, um, you know, it, there's no script for this. I said earlier, this is a weird conversation to have because there's no script, there's no template for what happens. When your team releases, you know, a, a former ace before he's 30 years old, um, when he's, you know, I've realized his contract's running out, but this, is, this hasn't happened before. I can't remember, certainly don't remember the Mets doing this and I can't think of a team, you know, cutting ties with a player midseason like this. I realized that this isn't what the Mets wanted to do. Um, But if you look
0: at his performance, this is the right thing for the organization to do. I was stunned because I have never seen any sort of player being released or cut ties or something in which the press conferences felt like funerals. The way it was really telling, watching Sandy Alderson announce this move and just the sadness that that was coming off of him the way that you know the thing that really stuck out to me is when uh, they were talking to Mickey Calloway and he said it feels like I feel like me and Dave Island failed Matt Harvey and that is a really stunning thing to say, especially in New York, especially in this environment where this, we as fans and the fandom in general sort of have this sense of entitlement of, you know, our players are supposed to, you know, be great. And when they're garbage, we ship them out of town because they're bums. Right. I cannot remember ever in New York or anywhere else seeing a team cut ties with a player With such sadness and such, you know, I don't want to, I won't go so far as to to use the word self-recrimination because, you know, that that's too much, but just the, 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 the mournfulness all around this. Um, uh, I forget who I was reading or listening to was describing it as, as like a divorce. Like it's, it's a divorce where you just reach a point where you're like, we just can't make this work. And, you know, it's sad and we're losing this long-term relationship. But we're, it's going to be better off for all parties if we just go our separate ways.
1: Yes. I think that the Mets and Matt Harvey are a relationship that was never going to be saved. Um, you know, there is, a, there is a lot of blame to go around here. And let's just state the obvious the biggest cause for the let's call it the swift sort of shift in matt harvey's fortunes is injury yes like i want to make it clear that you know i am not here to to you know slam matt harvey's character because i don't know matt harvey um i know that there have been tons of whispers Um, rumors and things that have been confirmed about Matt Harvey's nightlife. Matt Harvey is not the first and is not the last player to enjoy the nightlife. The difference between Matt Harvey and some, but not all other players, is that Matt Harvey wasn't able to make the adjustment from Superstar, who could afford to be out at night, and be a, you know, and and still perform to player who needed to put the work in and needed to show the effort not only with his own body and for his own team but also with the press. Matt Harvey never made that adjustment with the press and as a result Matt, Har- you know, the press has always been very quick to amplify these whispers and rumors about Matt Harvey. I'm pretty certain that there are five other guys on in that Mets clubhouse who have the same nightlife habits and same attitude as Matt Harvey, but either they're performing at a high enough level that everybody looks the other way, or they've got a good relationship with the press who decides what they want to cover and what they won't. If you, if you are good to the press and you give them access, they don't want to make you look bad because that's how they maintain that access If you are somebody who doesn't give the press your time, well, the only thing they have to write about you is rumor and innuendo. And I'm not saying that that's Matt Harvey's fault, but I think a large sort of piece of our perception of Matt Harvey comes from that. And it's really unfortunate because none of us really know what
0: goes on in Matt Harvey's head. So you're absolutely right that you know neither of us know Matt Harvey. We don't know who he is, but There's enough evidence. There's enough, you know, he's been around the team and the writers and the world and the city long enough that I think we can actually go so far as to say non-controversially, Matt Harvey's an asshole. Like, he's an asshole. And the interesting point about this is, uh, and I'm trying to find the right way to phrase this, is, so what? Like, yes, you're exactly right. Just I because he's an asshole, like I, I, so there. The other thing that Sandy said in his press conference that just like I've never seen this before uh, anywhere is he described Matt Harvey as vulnerable, and you know we don't see that version of that guy. The press doesn't see a lot of, or maybe, or maybe they do. I don't know if they do. They haven't told us that part of the story. Um, you know, maybe Harvey's kept that part very, very close to his, his chest, which is certainly his right. Um, he has acted out in certain ways that have made him a target in ways that other people have not acted out. Um, it's, we find ourselves in this very strange moment in the culture and, and, You know, strange and fraught. And I think it cuts across a lot of different areas of our society where there's a question of who gets to speak and who gets to have the spotlight. And when somebody does something wrong, should they be removed from the spotlight? Should they be punished? Should they be destroyed? As a person. And the way that this conversation usually goes is, you know, and uh, I mean we're and we're seeing this all over the place. And and there are there are levels to this where you can say, you know, somebody deserves to be taken out of the spotlight. We can also acknowledge that there are real and true reasons for them to behave in the way that they've behaved, they're behaving. And we can identify that without excusing and exonerating it. I see what you mean. Yes,
1: no, you're right. Um, sorry, I was, I was, um, for anybody listening, uh, you may notice that Jay and I sound differently than we have recently. It's because we are, we are doing this, um, remotely, Mm -hmm. um, due to scheduling issues on my side. Um, so for a rare instance, I wasn't, Quite following sort of where you were going
0: there, but I understand I wasn't going direct. I wasn't getting there as as directly as I would have liked to because this stuff is hard to talk about. Also because everyone is really angry about a lot of things all the time right now, and that's not to say they shouldn't be. Um, There's a lot to be angry about, and well, to your point, you know, you're making where you know there's
1: we're at a point in. our culture where often with a very good reason, we want to march somebody out of town yeah. and, you know, there, there has to be room for people to still exist in, in some of these scenarios where maybe a lesson needs to be learned, but they don't need to be marched out of town. Um, or some, you
0: know, obviously we don't, I'm talking about, we just we don't have anything in between destruct like we have we have castigation we have uh destruction and and it's like we don't have any any tools that are short of that at least right. in the conversation right now
1: and you know i and there we need that i will say that you know in cases outside of baseball i think frequently that sort of marched out of town is the right way to go partly because we don't know what else to do with it. And this is something that we are as a, as a culture, um, facing up to, but you know, in, in baseball, it's just a game. Yeah. It's just a game. So it's just a game. What I, what I was feeling in some of the coverage, um, and in some of the fan response was a little bit of good riddance to Matt Harvey. And I just feel like that's unfair
0: I've seen less of that than I would have expected, and I mm-hmm. think it's 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 down to the way that Sandy and Mickey have you know described this, and the way that you know even the the like the beat writers and the people who cover it like you like they f- it feels like they feel like everyone's shocked by this, like everyone is is yeah. is unsure of what happened or, or, or what this means, or just, there's this moment even of, and and I think this is what it is. There's a moment of recognition. We love to talk about what things mean. We love to come up with, you know, ideas about, you know, the meaning of this or the value of that. And, and, and we're going to do that and we do that and that's never going to stop. But what's happening in, at least in the last 24 hours is it just sort of feels like a pause like a collective pause in the entire Mets fandom as we take a breath and we're like, I can't believe this happened. I can't believe it's happened. And then we'll move on to, you know, what happens next. But I can't remember. I can only imagine this must've been what it felt like when they traded Tom Seaver. Like Mm -hmm. this moment of like, I can't believe this happened. Like, and, and, and it's just unlike anything I can remember. The uh, you know, yeah, like other, I said, we the have other guy it makes me think of a lot. I've been thinking a lot about is um, Barry Bonds, um, yes. who is another player who is well known to be an asshole and be very much, you know, I'm going to do things the way I do things, right. and you know, on the one hand. On the one hand, you know, you there there's an argument to, to be made that, you know, even with the, the 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 PED usage, he hit a million home runs and he was always a star, so he gets to do that. But I'm more interested in in stories about, you know, why he was the way he was. And you know sure. the stories about growing up with his father being on the Yankees and growing up in the Yankees clubhouse and seeing how his father was treated. In the Yankees clubhouse. And so growing up with this sense of nobody's going to have my back, even if they say they have my back, nobody has my back. And mm-hmm. I wonder how much Matt Harvey grew up in a similar circumstance in which he felt like he really had nobody he could rely on. Right. Right.
1: I don't know. And one of the things I wonder along those lines is who is advising Matt Harvey? Because if I were Matt Harvey, well, yeah, I know. And what I worry is, does anybody else have Matt Harvey's ear? Mm -hmm. Because I can only speak for myself, but if I were in that position and I looked at the examples of, you know, Roy Oswalt, for -hmm. example, um, was a successful major league pitcher who then, you know, was sent down to the minors. Corey Kluber, I believe did the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, there is, there's a case to be made for coming back. Matt Harvey, I don't know of any other pitcher who has had the combination of injuries that Matt Harvey has gone through. You know, I didn't understand what thoracic outlet syndrome was until I heard that Matt Harvey was dealing with it. So, again, there's no established um, calendar for how long it's going to take to recover from that to be able to pitch. That aside, even if he j- simply could not perform at a, at a major league level, there's no reason that it had to end like this. And part of it is because you just wonder, who is advising Matt uh-huh. Murphy? Who
0: is, who is he listening to? How um, old is, is Matt Harvey? I don't remember. He's 20, 29 years 29. old. I was an idiot when I was 29. I made so many stupid decisions when yep. I was 29. Like, I can't imagine the amount of pressure that he must have been putting on himself. Um, unreal. Well, I was thinking about that
1: this morning, and... One of the things that led me to was an honest—not honest, but sort of a trip down how things could have happened differently. Because what I where I started was who is to blame for our perception of Matt Harvey? Because you can't do anything about injuries. You know what's to blame for the the failure of Matt Harvey's career at this point? Injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, poor run support. Um, you know, looking at not you know, even though we don't put any stock in a win loss record, boy, Matt Harvey's numbers suggest he should have won a lot more games than he did. But that's besides the point. But when you ask yourself who is to blame for the way we feel about Matt Harvey, my first instinct is to say Matt Harvey. Mm-hmm. However, I would like to suggest a villain in the Matt Harvey oh, really? story. Really? Uh, I would like to say that not performance related, but our perception of Matt Harvey is different because of Daniel Murphy. Really? Say more about this. I'm going to explain why. Okay. I'm going to take you back to the 2015 season. So in the 2015 season, Matt and Harvey coming off of a year out of baseball puts together a, you know, a better than solid um, year. You know, after missing a full year, he comes in, he throws, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but he throws something like, I want to say 180 to 190 innings. You know, I remember there was that whole 170 limit. Mm-hmm. Um, which he exceeded and then continued to pitch into the postseason. But I mean, he put up really good, you know he put up solid numbers. Um, he had an ERA under three. I'm actually looking, I pulled up his baseball reference numbers. He finished a you know 13 and eight should have you know his numbers suggest he should have won more games. He gave up just barely over um, a walk and hit per inning pitched. He had a terrific year. Uh, if you want to go by player value, I think he put up something like close to five wins over replacement that year. Terrific year. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the postseason, he made three starts. In the postseason, he pitched 26, uh, 26 and two-thirds of an inning, um, put up great numbers, struck out 27. Um, again, gave up just about you know a base runner per inning, um, pitched very well. You get to the World Series in 2015, and in the eighth inning of Game 4, Daniel Murphy makes an error, which basically opens the door and allows the Royals to tie the game and go ahead. Remember, going into that eighth inning, the Mets were leading. Michael Conforto had hit two home runs, and the Mets were basically five outs away from evening up that series when Daniel Murphy makes the error Mm -hmm. now I'm not saying that Daniel Murphy is completely responsible (laughs) for that there were plenty of other players on the field and you know what the Royals as they did all that year put put teams in a position where they had to make a play and basically dared that team not to blink and time and time again teams blinked Mm -hmm. and you know, we used to get frustrated by Daniel Murphy because Daniel Murphy would try to do everything on the field at once. And this is one of those, you know, I always thought, like, where was he looking when he missed that ball? Ball goes under his glove, Run scores. Um, I want to say it was Hosmer at bat, and, so, and, and um, runner moves to third. They tie the game. They lose the lead. They go into the ninth down two runs. The Mets not only um, fall, you know, they, they lose that game. So instead of being tied 2-2, they're down 3-1. Now, going into game five, because I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I was at game four. Mm-hmm. I, I left game four. I, got on, I hung out at a Neptune diner with friends and family, ate uh, diner food and cake all night, went to JFK, got on a plane, flew back home to Los Angeles, got home in time to watch game five. So the series is tied. Matt Harvey pitches those stellar eight innings. Now it's not a win or go home game. So, and they know there's a day off tomorrow. So there's no reason to not go with Familia to start that inning. It's not a win or go home. It's not a situation where Harvey is going to be able to convince Terry Collins. Give me the ball. This is a life or death situation. So let's just say Familia starts that inning clean, all of a sudden, there's a good possibility the Mets are up 3-2 going back to Kansas City having to win one of two games. Now, of course, this is all sunshine and lollipops and Mm -hmm. what if. Mm -hmm. There's a million ways that this couldn't work out. But imagine that the Mets win game four and even up the series. Matt Harvey pitches the same game in game five, and the Mets win that game. Regardless of what happens, your lasting memory of Matt Harvey is that he pitched one of the stellar games in Mets history. Mm -hmm. Is that he put the team on his back in game five, and gave you eight innings of shutout ball. And he begged to come back onto the field. And they made a decision to bring a reliever in. The Mets lost the series that night. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Matt Harvey's performance got lost. We all talk about him coming out for the ninth inning. We don't talk about the fact that he gave eight innings of some of the best pitching in Mets postseason in history in that game. You know, in, a, in an era where, where managers will pull pitchers in a, in a postseason game after the fourth inning, Matt Harvey pitched eight innings of stellar baseball, and that gets lost because the Mets didn't win. The Mets not only didn't win that game, they lost the series that night. If the Mets lived to play another day, the narrative changes and our memory of Matt Harvey is of him willing
0: that team to keep them in the series. I mean, it would, it would, it would be one of, one of the legendary performances, performances in the, in franchise history. It would have been, but it yes. wasn't. I know it was. And it's just, it's, it's everything turns on a, you know, an inch, a centimeter. Well, that's um, what makes this game so, Heartbreaking. It is, and I think the thing does. about that is that if things had gone the other way, this would be different for us. This would be different for our memories. I don't think the thing that Matt Harvey needs is to win more. I think whatever, whatever the issues are that he has with himself, with other people, won't get fixed by success. In fact, it's yes, probably the one
1: second. Actually, I want to back up for one second. Yeah. I what I was talking about specifically was not what's going to help Matt Harvey. I'm talking about our fan perception of sure. Matt Harvey. Yeah. Absolutely. Because we would we would herald Matt Harvey as a hero for all time. Yeah. Anyway, but no, you're right. When we talk about what's going to help Matt Harvey, what's going to help Matt Harvey is getting out of the results. Yeah. Absolutely right.
0: Yeah, I mean the way these these you know the way we can spin a narrative out of the way we can turn success or failure, a hit or a strikeout, a win or a loss, into a morality play. Is I mean it's it's why we're fans. Um and it has, you know, it's it's the source of a lot of the joy. Um mm-hmm. but it's also the source of a lot of heartache. And you know. The really fascinating thing about yesterday was, I we got a sense there was a glimpse. Had Michael Conforto gotten a hit in the ninth inning yesterday, mm-hmm. yesterday would have been considered the turning point of the Met season. Like, absolutely, given you know. Spending whatever happens after that, but you have a a day in which they not only release Matt Harvey, but they go behind like immediately after, you know, continuing a really bad losing streak, getting out hit, not scoring any runs to then come back in the ninth inning and win a game like that is a day that is that you talk about forever. Right, you talk about how that team facing right. adversity. Yes. Again. But Michael Cripporto struck out. And so that whole narrative, like I was watching that inning and I was watching this narrative start to construct itself and see how, you know, this is what the story was going to be and 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 this would be what we were talking about. This would be, you know, as indelible as Wilmer Flores hitting a, hitting a walk-off home run in 2015. Like it was going right. to be – it could have been – a moment like that, and then in an instant, it evaporated. Yes, absolutely. And
1: I was right there with you. Yeah. I, um, I, was, <laughs> I put the game on yesterday, and after the top of the first inning, I turned it off. <laughs> and I was like, I don't have the heart for this. So I go to an appointment, I take care of some things, and finally I get home, and I see the Mets had put up two runs in the bottom of the eighth. And they come into that,
0: you know, come into that ninth only three runs down. Yeah. I'm like, well, let's see what happens. I found myself wondering if and I haven't seen anyone writing r- having written about this, but so they tell Matt Harvey he's DFA'd. They ask him if, you know, if he's, he will or they 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 ask him to accept a minor league assignment. He refuses. They tell him he's DFA'd. Did he leave the stadium right then? Did he? So, because what I was imagining, and I'm sure someone will spin this into a yarn, and it's totally not fair. But since when does spinning our stories about what happened have they ever been fair? So, (laughs) so I just had this image that that Harvey kind of waited for the game to start so that he could go into the clubhouse and pack up all of his stuff and leave while everyone was on the field and like yeah. say goodbye to the clubhouse attendants or say goodbye to the staff or whatever and i just had this sense that he would have done that and he would have left around the 8th inning yes. <laughs> and this sense that like he's left the building and when he's left the building he's pulled this specter of gloom with him and with that gone, suddenly they start hitting again. Now, that makes absolutely no sense in the real world. Of course. Man, it's but it's a nice story. A nice Man, oh, it's I a said- nice story. And I have to tell you, even though they lost the game yesterday, I actually didn't mind that much because they fought. They fought back. And that, I mean, we've had this conversation for two years on this podcast. I don't mind losing. I mind boring and they've been boring for the past week. Yes. They lost yesterday but they were not boring. I, that's what I that's what I want. I think that
1: we are looking for silver linings and you're right. <laughs> Look, I would rather I'd rather see them lose a game where they, you know, had a chance. Hey, the the winning run was on base, as opposed to that series against Atlanta, yeah. where they basically just got,
0: um, oh, they just got throttled. Just yeah, yeah. And, and you, you would, know what? I, I wouldn't believe. It. I will take some blame for for yesterday um, because I was the one that sent you the text that said Zach Wheeler, reliable number three starter. And so that's my <laughs> fault. Like, like, I, I apologize for that. I apologize to Zach Wheeler for putting that mojo on him. Um,
1: I feel so good about Wheeler's past performance
0: that I added him to my fantasy team wow. for that start yesterday. Well, the clearer thing is that the Mets just have to start the games in the second inning, and everything will be <laughs> fine. Because man's yes. getting shellacked in the first inning. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, there's been so much going on with Harvey that we've barely talked about, you know, what's happened with the games. Um, let's let's talk touch on that real
0: quick. Um, it's been a rough two weeks. It's been um, a really rough two weeks, and I have to say I really don't need them to play the Braves again anytime soon. Not because they're better than we expected them to be, even though they are. But, man, I can't get Hakuna Matata out of my head every time they talk about Hakuna or whatever his name. I can't even say his name now because they say it, and I just start think- singing Hakuna Matata in my head. It's all right. It Ronald, happens Ronald, to Ronald the best of yeah, that's it. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah, the Braves have, have played much better ball than people anticipated. You know, I, uh, last night was tough. I will tune in today like I do every day and, and hope for the best. You know, I think there are a couple of, there's a lot of things to be worried about. Conforto is mired in a, in a horrible slump. The whole team, other than Cespedes and Cumbrera, seem to be
0: struggling um here's what i here's what I, do, here's what I find positive though i mean and and the knock on the team for the past several years has been and and mostly under the the terry collins regime has been we don't understand why they're doing what they're doing we don't understand why they're not doing what would seem to be obvious moves there's always a mm-hmm. story about like why we're going to stick with someone who's not playing very well or we're not going to make a move that would seem to be obvious. May 1st rolled around, and Mickey Calloway immediately started with, we're going to uh, put Jay Bruce at first base so we can get Brandon Nimmo. We're in, into the lineup. We're going to cut ties with Matt Harvey. We're like They're not waiting. They and they had pretty much said, you know, we're going to get to May 1st and we'll see where we are. And it's, you know, they got to May 1st and they started making some changes. And that to me is indicative that no, this really is, this really is a different, a different regime. And, you know, they made a lot of hay in spring training about Zach Wheeler being sent down to the minors as a wake up call. Well, if, if, uh, as far as accountability goes and uh, an account of this being a meritocracy, well, if Zach Wheeler getting sent to the minors was a wake up call, Matt Harvey being DFA'd is, you know, no one's sleeping ever again. Like, yeah, message received yeah. loud and clear.
1: You can't accuse um, the regime as it currently stands of not having a backbone yeah. in order to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, you have actually, you know, Said in the past that let's see what they do with the roster after May 1st. So I will say, like, yeah, you called that as a thing that was going to happen. There's a reason that you are a respected podcaster <laughs> because you know how these things work. And, you know, let's see. You know, there's still plenty of games left. Um, it looks like DeGrom's hyperextended elbow, oh, man. which remember when that was the big story of the week. Yeah.
0: Wow. Um, I mean, we're still can- not out of those woods. Like he, you know, they were going to like test it and make sure he was going to prepare for his next start as if it was okay. But generally, what they were saying is that pitchers who hyperextend their pitching elbows miss four starts. So until right. he pitches and he pitches like Jacob Degrom, I I'm not over that. Like that's still a problem. Which means we have Noah Syndergaard and question marks the rest of the way. Yep that is true. Um, you know, and the other,
1: let's just talk about sort of, uh, dark cloud. I am not excited
0: for the Jason Vargas era. Uh, uh, who Jason, who, I I don't know. I don't know who this person is that you're, uh, you're speaking time. By the time we release this,
1: I hope that he will be a former Met. Oh man. That's probably too harsh. (laughs) Um, I happen to be at his first start, um, uh, uh, where was it? In San Diego last week. Um, And I have a story to tell from that night, but we're going to save that for another night because okay. we're already at close to 45 minutes yeah. of Matt Harvey talk. And I'm sure nobody wants to hear me go on for 20 minutes about Jason Vargas and my experience at Petco Park. I will just say it was a dispiriting mm-hmm. um it was a dispiriting game to be at, yeah. um, and it was indicative of how I felt the last couple of weeks. Essentially, the Mets got run out of the ballpark before they had a chance to blink. Um, it's that first inning, and um, other than sticking around long enough to see Cespedes hit a laser over center field, there was just nothing to get excited about. Yeah. The food was way better. I spent more time in traffic <laughs> getting to the game than I did at the game.
0: Oh, man. Wow. Never a good time. It's always a tough call. Like when they come to San Diego, it's like, ah, oh, do we do you make the drive? Do you do you go down? Like sometimes it works out great. Sometimes it doesn't. Well, let's let's just relive um,
1: a mistake that I certainly made back in 2016 when somebody I can't remember. Oh, it was you. Yeah. When you said to me, "Hey, I've got these tickets to the game in San Diego. I can't make it." Bartolo Colon is pitching. Yeah. Do you want to go? Yeah, we and both. I said, we both screw that one up. Yep. Well, <laughs> I will tell you though, um, my wife Nina came to the game with me because she's always she's always willing to go see the Mets with me because you marry someone for better or for worse. And as soon as we sat down, she pointed out that's where Bartolo's home run went. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It was like I really, I really. Did right when it came to getting married. Yes. Well, so, well done. Well done you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. So let's um, wrap this up with the sort of next question, which is, what do you
0: think happens to Matt Harvey? Um, well, they're not going to find a trade partner for him because why would anybody give, give you know, a sack of beans for right. to, to the Mets for Harvey when they can just wait seven days and then sign him and not have to pay anything? Um, you know, the, I saw an article today that the Yankees were like, uh, no, thank you. (laughs) No interest. Mm -hmm. I saw some speculation that Texas might be a a, a place where he could go because Dan Worthen is, uh, is an assistant pitching coach there. Honestly, I have no idea where he's going to end up. I hope for our sakes, it is in the American league and that it's out West. Um, (laughs) Seattle, I think would be great for me. Um, because because we're Mets fans and because we live down here in LA, somehow I never ever ever see anything about the Seattle Mariners ever. Um, <laughs> it's just like it's like it's like a franchise with an invisibility cloak. Um, and so that for me, I would be thrilled if you would go somewhere like that uh, or Oakland or just you know. Uh, the, my nightmare is that he goes to, well, the, the ultimate nightmare is he goes to the Yankees and he, and he, and he recovers, but you know, right. let's, let's, let's put that aside. I really don't want him to go to another team in the NL East where, you know, we'd have to see him, you know, it's like running into your ex. It's right. like, you know, like, Oh, I go to that. I go to that restaurant all the time. It was our restaurant. And now I go and I see her there with, you know, with her new, her new bud her new friends. And it's just uncomfortable. So so I want us to keep the National League East. I, I agree with you. Um, I worry, and
1: this is worrying for Matt Harvey's sake, and the worry is that he is simply not capable of performing at the level he needs to perform to be successful this year. Um, I think he needs to take a step back and look at, him, look at himself from the ground up Mechanics, mental makeup, preparation, everything. I think the worst thing that could happen to Matt Harvey is seven days from now he signs a contract with Texas, Seattle, Arizona, um, or you know somebody else, and he fails. Mm-hmm. And then at that point,
0: who's taking a shot at Matt Harvey next year? Now let me let me ask you this question. Let's say. Harvey gets signed somewhere and goes to the miners willingly. How indicative is that of just how bad the relationship between him and the Mets front office had gotten, whether, you know, yeah. it's not his fault or Sandy's fault, whoever's fault, it is just this idea that you know, and and, and the fan, I, I did hear them talking about this a little yesterday, the speed at with which this decision was made, where yes. they said, you know, this is what we'd like you to do. Take a day. Think about it. And apparently Harvey called Scott Boris. And like 20 minutes later, they came back and said, we're not accepting the assignment. So mm-hmm. you can only imagine that Harvey's been waiting to get out of of New York for a long time. And
1: right. certainly going to be telling if, if Harvey signs with somebody else and just accepts
0: that minor league assi- rehab assignment. Where is, has anyone seen who's got a 20 on Rick Peterson? Because maybe Rick Peterson could fix Matt Harvey in five minutes. You know what? This is his chance to finally get that one. right. <laughs> uh, before we wrap this up, I have one other question that, that sure. I would like to pose which is who's not going to be on the team the next time we do a podcast <laughs> um
1: I think if Jay Bruce produces while playing first base and Brandon Nimo continues to get on base Adrian Gonzalez is the next person to become a, to be a
0: former met I think you're right I think it's either it's either Adrian Gonzalez or Jose Reyes. Um, Gonzalez would be the bigger, uh, the bigger move, the more the more useful move. Um, I have a feeling something's got to give with the pitching staff, though. Um, we're f- really they're really feeling the loss of of Swarzak of Anthony Swarzak right now, mm-hmm. who does not appear to be coming back anytime soon. But if they had Swarzak and he was pitching well and Blevins was pitching well, then they'd probably feel better about moving Lugo and or back into the rotation. But as things stand right now, they can't. So something's got to shake out there somehow. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Jason Vargas gets on a bus (laughs) out of town just as quickly. I doubt that will happen, but I have a hunch that, that in two weeks there will be, there will be some more changes from the way that the, the, the team looks today right I think that you know
1: I mean what they've shown is hey we're willing to overhaul this roster yeah um midstream so I think you know again Gonzalez is the next when you look at performance Mm -hmm. Gonzalez is the likely candidate and you know I'm not talking about some of the back of the back of the pen relievers who get sort of shifted up and down um but, yeah, there's, I think there's the pitching staff is currently constituted, as you said, is Syndergaard and hope for the best. Um, you know, when you look at how do you change that, you know, you're not going, you can't get anything for Adrian Gonzalez or mm-hmm. Jose Reyes. So if you want to trade and get value back, it's well, then you have Smith. to give up. Yeah, you have to give up some of that. You know, the team is a glut of first basemen.
0: Right. Um I would not be surprised if the recent uptick in press about Peter Alonzo, their double-A first baseman, is part of a attempt to inflate his value in mm-hmm. advance my,
1: of the trade. My favorite baseball move yes. is the—I yes. always think of, if you remember the old—back um, in the, I guess, 1990, David West— Mm-hmm. David West, yep. who mm-hmm. was the centerpiece of the Frank Viola deal. Yep. yep. Um, uh, you know, he was another one. Well, thought David West, we cannot part with David West. Oh, you've got you've got a former Cy Young
0: here. Have David West. I have David West. Alex David Escobar. Remember when every every team wanted Alex Escobar yes. as the centerpiece of a trade, and we wouldn't trade him, and then he, you know, didn't really do. Much of anything. I mean, that's, I mean that's the other thing is that you know the biggest. I think the biggest need. It's I mean, we've been talking about this a lot. They have to. They they have to solve the catching problem. Like like if Plawecki isn't back in you know in in another week, they can't continue with with the current. Setup lobaton well, and and, and yeah. you know I can't I believe we're saying have, it'll be okay when when Pluecki gets here. I have to tell you, like I have noticed that the name lobaton fits very well into the syllable pattern. If you were say singing to yourself um, the uh, Velvet Underground song "Heroin." Lobotone it'll be the death of me you know what exactly. that fits exactly <laughs> exactly although to be fair to Mr Lobotone if he was playing well his name also fits very well into the Elvis Costello song Alison so Lobotone
1: my name is true you yeah. want to just keep trying this with songs and I'll sing them
0: all. all that's all I got i just got those two <laughs> um,
1: yeah well, on that note, with the Lobatones sing along, any <laughs> last
0: words for this episode? Uh, I just, I just, I am hoping that last night's late inning rally just sort of restores some fire, um, and that the the games at least are more competitive and more interesting uh, in the next week or so. I I hope for the same, and in hoping, I try to ignore
1: the fact that logic tells me that each game is an independent event, mm-hmm. but. We believe in narrative, so yes, we do. let's hope that last night somehow lit a spark, that there was an important conversation in the clubhouse, and um, they come out tonight, and, and really, all I want is a win. Just put together a win. You know what? Maybe two. I'll t- I'd love a win on Sunday. It'd be nice. <sighs> Look at us <sighs> aching because we're not in first place anymore. I, and we didn't even get to that what a week this has
0: been <laughs> what a week. God, this feels like we've been god, this must be what it feels like to cover the trump administration for podcasts oh my god, oh my god. let's not even On go that, there no. let's just i'm gonna go light a candle for jacob de elbow and uh and then you know we'll see how that goes all right well godspeed matt harvey wherever you are uh, good luck Jay, matt. It's, been a, it's
1: been a pleasure and as uh, always you know, we'll see you at the baseball movies
0: absolutely